I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. Welcome back once again. This is the Purple Patch Podcast, and yes, I am your host as ever, Matt Dixon, and today it is part two of the Jesse Thomas experience. I hope that you listened to episode one all about Wildflower, which was the big race that acted as the springboard for Jesse as an athlete. But I think what you'll hear today is Jesse's story is about so much more than simple professional triathlon and world-class performance. I have to say, as we get into this episode, Jesse was one of those rare breeds that truly had the physical potential to be on the podium in a world championships. But he has, in my mind, achieved so much more than that. This is a story of transition from unapologetic quest for world-class performance to high performance across sport, work and life. He is now competing as a professional triathlete right at the top level, while also a CEO, husband and father. This is the Jesse Thomas story, and I can promise you it is not to be missed. But first, let's get a little cheesy. We like the way he thinks, serious with the way Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the dictionary word of the week. Well, guys, the word of the week this week, and yes, I am going to get a little cheesy. I'm going to get a little emotional. Hopefully, I won't shed a tear, but the word of the week is thankful. At the end of today's show, you hear me talk about Jesse as an athlete in really glowing terms. I am thankful to him. And while it's emotional, it's authentic. I think that too many coaches view their job as having all the answers for the athletes. And at the same time, I think that too many athletes think that being a great coached athlete is simply about doing what you're told. I believe in collaboration and a shared journey will always trump a dictator in the long term. And this makes me thankful, the word of the week, thankful for all of the athletes that I get to work with. Yes, I get to guide, I get to help, educate and support, but I get something back as a coach. I get lessons, growth and opportunities to improve. It can only happen in real coaching. It cannot happen from behind a computer. Coaching and mentors, I believe, are critical to high performance, so says the coach. But It's imperative that you make sure you get the right coach and the right methodology that suits you and your characteristics. I have to say, and we talk about this in the podcast a little bit, I'm not the right coach for everyone. But I will say I'm thankful for the athletes that I do get to partner with as they'll always provide me with a chance for growth and personal coaching development. And that is why this week, the word of the week is thankful. Now, let's get on with the show. Alright guys, so here it is. It is the meat and potatoes and we are in for part two this week of the Jesse Thomas experience is the way that we talked about it. Uh, Jesse, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me and thank you guys for um, 
for, uh, you know, I guess, enduring two episodes of Jesse Thomas. <laughs> what, what more? You, you asked for seven, we gave you two. So yeah, right, yeah. Uh, we, we, won't go, we won't go through your whole bio because if you haven't listened to part one, which is all focused around Wildflower, obviously a key event in your professional triathlon career, yep. go back and listen. But, but I want to give you people the, the quick and dirty in case you don't know Jesse. So Stanford runner, a uh, very good steeplechase athlete, uh, NC2A finalist, 835 for the steeplechase. While he was there, he studied mechanical engineering. He's got a bachelor's and a master's in mechanical engineering. Did what many people do coming out of Star- Stanford, went to a startup and then decided to move back to Oregon, where he did his MBA at the University of Oregon. And coming out of that, he decided, I'm not done with athletics and um, and began racing as a triathlete and also launched uh, with his wife, Lauren Fleshman, who in her own right is a fantastic runner, uh, launched Picky Bars. And together they've grown Picky Bars substantially over to uh, up to um, what it is today in 2018. As an athlete, you're a six-time Wildflower champion. You've won two Ironmans, countless 70.3s. But I want to start going back. And um, what we want to do today is I want to talk to your about your performance within a time-starved life because I think that you've got a unique story as your performance journey is wrapped around what you have to juggle, at least right now over the last few years, what you have to juggle in your performance quest. So let, let's go through it for listeners first. So you've got obviously got world-class performance in triathlon. You, you've still got lofty yep. ambitions in the sport. Yep. You've got Lauren's schedule because she – uh, was a professional runner, but in, in her own right is um, has a lot of responsibilities around her own, for lack of a better phrase, brand in many ways and responsibilities in her running. You co-parent with each other, obviously, husband, wife. You've got two kids. Uh, you're the CEO of Picky Bars as it's as it's grown, and yeah. you still have to manage sponsors. There's it's a very very busy life. Is that is is that fair enough? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's about it. Um... Yeah, I mean that that's it it is. It's crazy busy. I mean the the sponsorship stuff includes, you know, my own kind of writing and, you know, Lauren and I's uh podcast that we launched, like kind of our content platforms as well. So, yeah, man, it's a as you know, cuz you've been helping me with it for a long time. It's a it's a busy it's a busy life. It it is. And just just want to say cuz you have just launched your podcast. Just just uh give us the name of that so people can find oh, it. Oh, yeah. Listening. It's it's called Work Play Love, um, and you can find it on iTunes and Stitcher and Google and everything else. Or you can go uh, if you if you Google it, uh, it's uh, it's at pickybars.com/workplaylove. And and the the two second version of what it's about is basically Lauren and I answering your questions, our fans or followers or anybody that submits a question about uh anything having to do with um athletics uh and in training and racing uh uh family uh significant others parenting kids and um and business uh being an entrepreneur being the best business professional that you can in your environment uh, and then, and then ultimately the interplay between those three so it's a lot about what Matt and I are talking here today it's about the balance of all those three and, and how we try to approach those things and uh, some of the learning that we've had on our own, but, we, but we're answering your questions and it's been super fun to be honest, because 
for Lauren and I, if anything, it's, it's an hour a week that we spend together talking to each other without our kids. <laughs> and, and it's kind of just a nice way to just connect with each other and have an open discussion. And we, we definitely do not always agree on the answer to people's questions. And we, you know, give each other, I think the appropriate amount of, of, of shit for the, the various things that we do differently. Um, so we're, we're enjoying doing it and, and I hope that the listeners are enjoying it as well. So far it's, it's gotten some, um, you know, I think at least to us, some, some positive feedback. It, it, it is. And it really is at the intersection of what we're talking about today. Yep. So I think it's a wonderful follow on because if people have questions after this, Hey, yep. go and listen to the podcast. And the first, the first episode that I've listened to is, is fun, accessible, and, and your personality has continued to come out. Yep, uh, so in the land of overachievement, we're going to dig into the, the challenges that you face, some of the lessons. We're going to talk about coaching and uh, most importantly, hopefully get through some of the crossover of finding performance across all of the disciplines in your life. But I want to start with a really broad and simple question. And um, it's just this, what, what drives you? Right now, and th- this, has, this has evolved over the last five years. Um, it's, it's what it's actually, that's not totally true. It's always been the same. I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great husband. And then after that, I want to make a really positive, generous impact on the communities that I care about. And, um, and when I started my athletic career, that was triathlon. And now as my athletic career has evolved and I, my business career has continued to grow with the, with, with, uh, the growth of picky bars, it's now morphing more into what kind of positive impact can picky bars have on the athletic community, on athletic consumers, and then almost, I wouldn't say more importantly, but equally as important, my local community bend here where I grew up and which I'm very prideful of. And, you know, what type of impact can the company have on jobs that are available here and positive, you know, bringing money to the area and everything else. So that's what drives me. And the, you know, if if we went back to the start, when we started working with each other was right at the start of your professional career. I mean, you weren't a father at that stage. And um, and most of the goals that we talked about, it it was, I mean, I I can say this in in support of you there, you have always carried that lens. Um, At the same time, the quest the aspirational quest for you at that time was, was wrapped around triathlon and it was absolutely it was world class goals yeah that and and you've you've achieved you've achieved a lot you've uh, you've won a couple of ironmans we know about wildflower part one of this uh, this two part podcast and you have that legacy there but at a certain point there was there was a transition or or a soft point of transition of focus a phase of transition to focus can you point to any particular time where you felt like the the transition occurred to a more global performance mindset? You know, it's it's funny because I can't really point to a specific time. I think the the business when I started triathlon, Picky Bars was a side project and I knew I wanted to be a 
professional triathlete. Uh, and I, although I had no idea what that meant, um, but I wanted to be successful and I thought that I could be as a professional triathlete. And then I wanted picky bars to keep doing what it's doing as this cool side project, but I did, but there were no aspirations with picky bars because I didn't even understand what, what the aspirations could be. And then versus now. So if I, if I'm bookending two, two ends of the spectrum versus now there is this very clear realization of like the impact that picky bars could have on myself, on my family and on my community. And it's in a lot of ways much more impactful than me even up to doing anything, but maybe winning Kona, right? Um, it would have a bigger impact. The success of that company would have a bigger impact on the communities I care about. And so and and so if you look at the two ends of those spectrum, I think it's been a fairly gradual process actually over the last eight years, kind of as I've had success in triathlon, I've experienced that, um, I've aged, but then also as picky bars grows, 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 and, and success at picky bars means more and more than it used to. Um, and the only inflection points I would say are everyone's inflection points, and that's when you have children. Yeah. And, um, when I had my son, all of a sudden racing wasn't about for the first time ever racing in picky bars, wasn't simply about like being the best I could be. It was about providing for my family and, um, making sure that, that being the best I could be was in line with, making an income and set and, 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 uh, you know, just literally providing for my family basically. And, and then, and then even more so with having the second kid, because it's like, it's now, I think the other thing that, that, that has transitioned in that three or four years since having the first to the, to the second is the need to not only provide for them kind of like financially and resource wise, but also time. And realizing that my t the time that I can give to them is the most valuable thing I can give to them now that they're legitimate, you know, children that are interacting with the world. They can interact with me. I can influence them in the in the heaviest way possible. And that those two things have been the biggest transition in, in my lens, and have made triathlon to a certain extent less important, you know, in, in the global scheme of things. Because those things have now exist and they didn't exist before. And, and, and bear in mind, when you say less important, you've, uh, I think it's important to, to get out here because less important doesn't mean unimportant. I mean, you, no, you, you, won, well. you won your two Ironman races with that mindset. 100%. And I won, uh, you know, four of, the, of those wildflowers or whatever with that mindset, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I, I remember a, a question that you, you told me that you were asked where you were, you were asked, would you rather be world champions or a world champion or have picky bars of success? And the answer was picky bars. And, and that's where you sort of, that, that, that was a point that was certainly by then that was pretty obvious that we had this, we, we had this transition. And, and, and the reason I'm asking you this question, Jesse, is I very distinctly, when I lecture about performance and I talk about professional triathletes and I say the quest 
is unapologetic world-class performance. And so what I mean by that is we suppress many of the other areas of life and they go on a journey for world-class performance. And in some ways, that was how you started in the sport. And yet you've successfully made the transition to now what I think about nailing uh, performance globally for the amateur athlete, which is integration of the sport successfully into life so that it lifts your performance as a, in your case, as a father and as a CEO, you've just managed to do it to this overachievement, uh, massive degree where you're also retaining world-class performance. And, um, but, but there has been this, there's been a coaching transition for me. Yeah. There's been a, a mindset transition. And so with that in mind, do you think that your experience in sport and your training life, your actual, the commitment to continue training, and the quest, do you think that that has held back uh, Piggy Bar's growth or do you think it's actually been a, an asset to you in many ways, individually and as for the company? Yeah, I think it's been a mix of both. I think clearly Piggy Bar's has benefited from the PR and social media and, and the, the exposure that um, that Lauren and I have brought the company as professional athletes. We essentially have been unpaid you know, very deeply involved brand ambassadors for the company for the entire entirety of the of the company's life, and that's definitely valuable. In addition to the many lessons you learn, just generally about being a high performing athlete and the parallels that come with trying to run a company and and pushing through problems and overcoming you know whatever adversity. Um, but then, but then outside of that you know, there, like I said, there's been pluses and minuses. I mean, there's definitely been minuses. Like I have, you know, I, when it comes down to it, I can spend depending on the week and the time of year, you know, maybe 40 hours when, when I'm in my complete off season in the office to five hours tops when I'm in my deepest Ironman training weeks. Um, I'm gone a lot for big races and, um, and I can't, and, and I think more so than anything, I can't take on the level, like an increased level of responsibility, like bringing on significant investment to picky bars to help fuel the growth, which basically every other company in our industry that's our size has already done. Um, and I, and those things have for sure limited the growth and the success of picky bars. Sure. Yeah. I, I want to hone in on one thing you said, the parallels yeah. of professional triathlon career and building a business. Yeah. You've, you've gone through both and you've gone through them effectively at the same time. Oh yeah. What, what, what are the, what's the headline news, the parallels of the things? I mean, you said problem solving or troubleshooting. What, what are the other areas that you think that you've had where you've, what you've experienced in sport has, has been a sort of parallel to building a business? More than anything, I think it's just like, overcoming adversity, you know, and, and believing, having a deep rooted belief and confidence that you can figure it out. Even if the answer is not clear or success is not clear, the path to success is not clear. Um, that ultimately like time trial experience, all if you continue to do those things, you continue to show up, it will eventually work out a lot of times in ways that you don't expect, but it will eventually work out. 
and that that's been the primary takeaway that I've had in in my athletic career. I mean, triathlon is literally a sport I never intended to get into until I was 28. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and look at what it's ha- look at what it's been now. I always thought I for a while I thought I was going to be a professional basketball player when I was like seven, and then I thought I was going to be a you know an Olympic distance runner until I was about 23. And now I've been a professional triathlete. I mean, it just, it's just one of those crazy things. And similar with the business, you know, we, I never intended to start an energy bar company and I certainly never intended it to be as successful as it has been. And who knows what it could be down the road. Um, but we've had lots of, in all those various experiences, I've had all these major setbacks that I either got through or forced me to pivot into a different direction that led to newer, better, different things that I didn't anticipate. And um, those two, I think, learnings are like the most, the, the, the biggest parallel you can draw from from the from racing to business. I, I, I could have, if, if I had have not heard the question, I could have come in and thought about the journey of Purple Patch and, uh, and and drawn the parallels to our own as a company, our own non-linear progression and um, and the commitment and the confidence to say, we've got to figure this out. Or I could have heard, thought that you were talking to a young athlete that aspired to be professional. It's, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's a point that's really well taken. So um, bravo. Let, 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 let's, I just gave you kudos, which is one of my wow. least favorite my, my least favorite words in the world. In case you in case you want to know, <laughs> three or four times in the last eight years. Well, that's thing nice about me, and and it's because we're on a public forum, so I have yeah. to give you some gushing praise. Yeah, yes. so um, I, I, <laughs> I, I could carry on with with various abuses, but I won't. Uh, let, let's talk about your training, because in that transition, you. Uh, you improved radically over the first years and uh, much down to my own excellent coaching, I might add. But, uh, no, you know, jo- joking aside, you improved radically and, you know, you might, many might assume that once there was this transition, this growth of Purple Patch, you be, uh, uh, sorry, Purple Patch, Picky Bars, you're becoming a father, a much busier big life and it moves to an integration approach. Um, you had to change your training. Uh, yeah. At the same time, you, you haven't stopped improving um yep. it is the truth still a better athletes and the one thing you could not train and, and i'm going to be a coach for a couple of seconds a couple of seconds you couldn't approach training in the same way for two primary reasons number one you were getting older moving into your mid-30s and you're injury prone uh, you yep. know so, so from a musculoskeletal standpoint coming back from your running career you you've got issues with feet let's leave it with that and the second part is you've got this huge life, this big life outside of it. So through from your lens, I could go on for 20 minutes here. From your lens, what were the biggest changes to your training approach that in that you had to make but have allowed you to continue to improve? Yeah, I mean, when I think about it, um, you know, uh, a couple of things pop out. Um, clearly, like just, re- you know, I have more time. I have more stuff on my plate that takes my time. So I can't spend as much time training as I used to. Um, so it's reducing, it's reducing the total amount of time that I spent training, um, and making that time kind of, I guess, like globally to answer the question, making that time more focused on the specific things that are going to be, uh, of bet of most benefit. 
And what that has been uh, for me is like getting really big bang out of my buck on really big key sessions that happen less frequently than they used to, but that they're just as strong, if not stronger than they used to be, but they don't have to be super long or they're not stacked on top of a ton of volume. It's just doing really big key workouts. Um, and then I think the other, the other couple things, uh, that I've really focused on personally as I've aged, particularly in my late thirties is maintaining a really solid strength routine. So like I remember Matt and I having a conversation a couple years ago about, Hey, we're, I'm going to really be getting into like doing, you know, spending an hour in the gym three times a week. And that's going to be at, that's going to, that's going to mean I'm probably going to spend an hour less on the bike or running or swimming three times a week. And, uh, because I don't have, cause I can't just add that on top of everything else. Uh, I think that's been a huge part. Um, and then the, like the other, you know, the other couple things would be, um, you know, just making sure that I'm sleeping, uh, you know, that I'm, that I'm getting good sleep, that I'm eating well, uh, you know, things that become more important, I think, as you're, as you have a family and as you age, you know. And I would, I would add one thing that I think is that I've seen of you that you've become, and this is something that I think that you've developed confidence to do over the years, wisdom, confidence, whatever it is, which is the, the real courage to back off to uh, yeah. with, with fatigue. And, and I call that a dynamic mindset where we say, okay, it's not just about punching the clock, but, um, but actually being able to pull out of sessions if it's just not happening or, or abbreviate and adjust sessions in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be interesting actually to look at like, you know, if you if you could actually do this analytically, like look at the workouts that we did in the first couple years of my career with you and kind of the structure and how I followed that structure probably like almost to a T uh, for better and for worse, depending on how I was feeling um, versus now where, you know, you, you've been my coach for a lot longer time so you understand me much better as an athlete i understand you much better as a coach but the the framework it's it's the framework is much looser i feel like every couple weeks i get you know we 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 map out the training but with a mutual understanding that like shit's going to happen in life and it's going to be kind of i might swap a session here or there i might not feel good on on one day and, and pull the plug on the workout or feel really great on another day and, and do another, an extra couple intervals or hit the intervals harder, or ride a little bit longer because it's sunny out and Lauren's cool with me staying longer because she's having a good time or whatever. And, um, and, and so it's much more like free form within, but still within the, the context of it being structured for a creating success down the road. So it, it's, it's definitely transitioned a lot over the last few years. And, and I think it's really important because for listeners that have that listened to the podcast before, this is what we think about with the rhythm and intent. And yeah. there's so often this obsession about hitting every single minute of every single training session. And, and I'm going to gush on you a little bit. I think you're the master of this. You have developed into the master of this, of, of number one, understanding the intent of the workout and then listening to your body and within the framework, as you say, executing on the rhythm and the intent of the workout with a little bit of plasticity. Yeah. And the reason confidence is a factor is because you realize that it's so much more valuable to, to evolve to that 
where it's it is confidence is to do that and realize that racing comes out of that consistency rather than great racing simply comes from hitting checking a box of every cell of a spreadsheet basically totally um now that's twice i've gushed about you so i, I want to give you a chance to gush about me if you can um but but you know jo- joking aside the, the the i want to talk about coaching because i think it's yeah. important because you have got this big life and uh i think that coaching success take take us two out of it great coaching relationships often have this one thing time they have this this journey that they go on because you couldn't be doing how you're doing what we just talked about without really a growth of understanding of each other. Um, but I, I'm really interested, in, and I don't know the answer to this, the, how you see the role or the value of, of having coaching as a part of this. Oh, I think it's, I think it, it, you know, it can't be, it can't be understated. You know, it's the, um, uh, you know, it makes me think of the, the 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 number one question I always get is like uh, from 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 age groupers or people entering the sport or whatever is like, what's the best? You know, what's the most important thing you can do to have success in the sport? And um, you know, and most of them, and, and a lot of times it's like, what's the best thing you can buy, right? Yeah. And and um. And a lot of them are looking at like, oh, this is a you know, this is a arrow helmet or whatever. And as for me, it's always like the coach is by far your best investment, both monetarily and time wise, in terms of creating success for uh, you know for your athletic career and for your life in general. And I think what was interesting for for me personally with you is like. It's, you know, and I, I don't know that this may or may not be, be right, but I think as we started, I think both of our careers have morphed over the course of the last eight years. And while you've been on this, you know, when we started, it was very focused world-class athletics, um, you know, and, and, and now it's transitioned to still being as, like we said, as world-class as possible, but with the understanding that I'm doing all these other things as well that are equally as important to me. And I think you have become a, uh, more, uh, like a, almost like a better coach for that type of individual than you were when we started eight years ago. And, and in some ways we've like learned from each other in that extent. And now you've gone on to have success with people that are doing, um, a lot of the same stuff I am, but, but in different capacities and in some ways much more successfully like Sami Inkinen, you know, obviously clearly, you know, if I'm top 15 at Kona, Sam, Sami's like top, you know, 20 entrepreneurs in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, at, while also being a sub nine hour Ironman guy or whatever it is. And so, I mean, there, there's been this, like, I feel like we both kind of have learned to move into this space a little bit and it's been super, super valuable for me, uh, you know, because I've had a confidant and advisor, um, helping me 
uh, transition and manage all those things. And, and, and ultimately, if we're talking about having the confidence to do all this and to manage it all at the same time and give and take in different areas of your life, it's somebody to go check back on. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? You say, yeah, that's a go. Let's do it. Okay, I'm good. If you say, well, you know, maybe you do want to try to push through this one a little bit, then it changes it a little bit. And just having somebody to go back and forth where it's not 100% on me, I think, is the most important thing. I I agree with everything there. And, you know, I think it's – and and having that advisor or or guide that has the context of the journey is is really important. And I will say for listeners to make sure that your point about coaching being really valuable, I agree with. I also think it's worth people doing real homework in finding the right coach for them. And, and from a coaching standpoint, I'm not the right coach for everyone. No. Uh, and I think that's very important no. for, for, for people to understand. And in fact, coaches to understand, because uh, I always encourage when athletes come to me, go and speak to five or six different coaches in the same way as you would go and test drive many different cars, because you want to find the right coach for you in terms of methodology, the blend of science versus art, communication style. And what you need and personality, because you're going to spend a lot of time with these people. So it, it becomes really important in, in the athlete finding the right fit for them. And, and then it can be worth its weight in gold in, in investment, I would say. Let, let's transition to balance. Uh, yep. I think it's an overused word. And uh, <laughs> uh, people people talk about finding balance. And, and yep. uh, I have my, my thoughts on it. I just spoke to Brad Stolberg from uh, the author of Peak Performance about yep. this word. Um I'd love to hear your thoughts as it applies to training for an Ironman, co-parenting, growth of picky bars. How do you view, view balance? Well, I mean, I think it just depends on how you define balance, right? Uh, you know, you could you could look at, um, I mean, fundamentally, I believe in, in balance because I, I am a person that's pursuing doing, you know, all three of these, these things, I think, at a high level. And you can't, you can't do that without some form of, of balance. But I think what maybe what gets mistaken for that is that that's a, that's the same thing every day where I'm like, okay, three hours of my time is going to be, you know, or I'm awake for, uh, I don't know, 15 hours a day. And, uh, I'm going to spend five hours on training. I'm going to spend five hours on piggy bars. I'm going to spend five hours on my family and that's how it's going to work every day. And it's going to be perfectly balanced. And, um, that's definitely not the case. I think what, what balance means to me is like an evolving focus on various aspects of my life throughout the, throughout the day, throughout the week, the month, the quarter, the year, and throughout the years. And, um, and so we have these global yearly things where like, I just spent the last seven, eight years putting primary focus on my athletic career because I had the opportunity to do that at a time when I could perform at a world-class level. And while that happened, there were peaks and valleys within those years of spending time on my business because we had important things that mattered a lot to the business that I needed to take a step back from training hard and whatever else. And then on top of that, important family life things, everything from literally having a kid and spending, you know, six to eight weeks with Lauren doing next to nothing else besides supporting her, um, to, uh, you know, just even planning vacations post Ironman. So we can, so I can kind of reward my family 
for the sacrifice that they've given up over the last 10 to 12 weeks of me training my ass off and being tired and tired all the time. And so it's kind of, for me, balance is not really like this continual, you know, level form, but it's like, it's kind of giving and taking from each thing over the course of time. It's, you know, I was talking to Kelly, my wife, who I run Purple Patch uh, uh, with Kelly, where, you know, similar to you and Lauren, Kelly and I run Purple Patch together. And and she expressed something. She said, you can't expect balance on a daily or weekly basis, but you do it over a year. Yeah. Uh, It really echoes sort of what you said there. Uh, which is great. Let, let's get tactical. I want to ask you a couple of questions because I, I, it's lovely to sort of hear these stories and mindsets, but hopefully we can, or you can give, uh, give some tactical insight into how you do stuff because I, I can imagine that it's very easy to quickly accumulate too much of a good thing and suffer across all fronts. You just talked yeah. about children, uh, you know, family, let's say, you talk about piggy bars and training. So I, I'm assuming that saying no to things is actually a, a skill that you've acquired how do you go about saying no to, to opportunities and secondly are there any tips with your week planning how do you go about it yeah um so first answer no to things that is that's literally one of the things that i've had to become more way more comfortable with than i used to be uh since kind of my careers have progressed and since having a family I used to like to try to do everything that I possibly could. If somebody reached out to me for something, I wanted to get back to them. And now I had kind of have this like almost, it's not as uh, sullen as this, but this kind of continual feeling that I'm always kind of letting somebody down some, somewhere. <laughs> and, um, and that's something that I have to be okay with uh, because otherwise I'm not spending enough time on the, the few things that really matter to me. And, um, and so, so that's a big part of it kind of saying no. And then, and then tactically in answer to your question about like my weekly plan, um, I think, uh, I, I have over the last few, clearly over the last seven or eight years, this has morphed a lot because family has had, because piggy bars has become more important. And then when you have kids, your time at home becomes much more important. And so net, but where I am now which is maybe most relevant to the majority of the audience um, is I try to fit all of my work between about 8.45 to 4.45 or 5 p.m. every day. And that is that means I take I, I stay at home. I used to get up early, go, go to swim with the master's groups or whatever. I stay at home. I wake up with my kids. I wake up with Lauren. I have breakfast with them. I spend time with family first. I take Jude to school. And then when I go to school and then after I drop him off, it's, it's, it's full gas work. And that means whatever important athletic sessions I have to do, I need to fit into that time. If I have two or three, two to three hour sessions, I'm probably just like exercising, eating, exercising, eating, exercising, and eating. Um, if I have, if I have less than I'm exercising, then I'm going into the office. I'm spending as much time in the office as I can. And then I'm getting ready for my next, uh, workout right before picking up Jude or getting, or getting home at, uh, at five. And then it's, and then when I'm home, it's done, I'm done with work. So that means I'm done with athletics. I'm done with, uh, with picky bar stuff. And, um, and that's it. That, that's how, that's how I structure the day. So I can't do late bike rides anymore with, with buddies or anything like that. It's, it's that that's the time. 
And, um, and then there's fluidity within that, obviously, depending on what Lauren needs as my partner and then what my, um, what my kids need and what my company needs. And there's a lot of give and take. And I, I would generally say within each week, I kind of have, uh, you know, um, more stuff. It looks like I'm going to, like, I have more stuff than I could possibly fit into all the days to do. So there's a lot of like sacrificing one hour on this ride. So I can, can actually meet with my employees about something that's super important or finishing a swim early or extending a swim because, Hey, I just, somebody just dropped a meeting and I've got some extra time. So I'm going to get in an extra like 2k on this swim and kind of build it, pad it in. And, um, that's kind of, that's, I don't know, that's kind of a long answer to that question, I guess. It's great. I I, I want to finish with a couple of quicker, uh, questions, yeah. I think. And, uh, and then we've got some, some quick fire, uh, questions that we ask all, all guests. So you're coming into the twilight years. You, you acknowledge that your last year of competitive triathlon, at least at the world-class level, what, what do you want to achieve? I still believe I can compete at the world-class level. Um, and so I'm going to Roth this year, which is, you know, the, um, the race outside of Kona that is kind of the top of every buck, everybody's bucket list. And I'd love to go there and compete really well. I, I think that if I, if, you know, I don't, I, I'm not one to like typically put out like time or place goals because I, I don't want to get too locked in on those. I think that can both help and hurt your day on the race. Mm -hmm. But um, I do believe that I've got a crack at eight hours in the, in that race if I'm firing on all cylinders, but there's a long way to go between now and then. So I got to see if I'm firing on all, on all cylinders and see if that's a re realistic goal. But that would be a really cool thing for me to kind of add as another check mark on my career to say that I did a sub eight hour Ironman, um, would be pretty awesome. So that, so we'll see. So that's, that's that. And then to be honest, after Roth, I have no idea, uh, what I'm going to do because I don't know if I'll be racing. I, I will continue to race events for sure, but I, I don't know to what that means. If I'm like trying to go back to a world championships or if I'm just going to be, you know, playing pickup basketball. <laughs> it could be anywhere in between those two. Yeah, but, 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 but knowing you, you're going to be playing basketball if that's the case in, in somewhere cool. That's for sure. Yeah, so, yeah. uh, <laughs> not, not at the local YMCA. No, I think, I think there are a lot of other events that I want to do that I would love to do before I'm not in a position physically to do them anymore. There are events like Norseman and, um, the Alpe d'Huez triathlon, like some of these, like just crazy epic events that would be right up my alley. That are as much an experience as they are a race and, and, and then, integrating. Yep. Sorry. And, and integrating my family into those as well. It would be awesome. Yeah. No, I was going to say they, um, they, they, they provide a little bit of fear as well, which is a healthy thing and yeah, athletic totally. fear. Yeah. So yep. yeah. L last question. What's your, what's your, and, and this can encompass running as well. What's your proudest accomplishment as an athlete? Might not that's be a result. Question. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Proudest. You know, I don't know. Like, I think the first thing that popped into my head, so I'll just answer that, was that win at Ironman Lanzarote. 
you know, even though it was, um, and it's not because I beat Jan Frodeno or whatever, but, you know, I mean, Jan Frodeno is clearly the best, you know, one of the best, if not the best triathletes ever. And that was clearly not his, you know, he's not showing up to that race full force in any way, shape or form. But, um, I think what I, what I feel, I, I just feel like that for me, like I, I, I crossed the finish line there. My dad was there. My dad decided to come over last minute to help me. He was the only person there. Um, my, my athlete, the root of my athleticism goes back to my dad supporting me, taking me on runs, help me play basketball. It was just like, it was this kind of like full circle moment for me athletically where it was kind of like, I just won this race that nobody expected me to win. I beat one of the best triathletes of all time. I'm wearing my, my brand new prototype Roka aviators that had never existed before this race. It were like all these weird things. I'm in the best shape of my life. I just ran the best marathon ever. And my dad is here and he got to experience that with me. And to me, that was like, I kind of like knew almost immediately that that was like the peak, you know? Like, I was like, I don't know. I, I don't think I could ever do better than this. And, um, and I think, and so I think that's the answer to that question. You know, that, that was like, that to me was like almost the culmination of this, of like this whole athletic journey. And while there's, there have been great races or whatever successes even since then, that to me feels like a really shining moment. Excellent. Well, here's the last thing. And these are, these are just a few quick fire questions. This is going to be challenging for you because you have to say the answer in either one word or one sentence. Okay. And, uh, and, and typically I've never heard you say only one word or one sentence. So here we go. We're going to be quick fire. Yep. What's the biggest challenge time staffed high performers face? Um, pulling back when they have too much to do. Resting, basically. Awesome. Yeah. It takes courage to recover. Yeah. Yeah. What's your number one performance habit to help to help daily energy? Uh, sleep. Just making sleep the most important thing. Perfect. Number three. What's your number? Oh, no, no, that's it. Sorry. <laughs> number three. Training. Listen to music. Focus on the task or troubleshoot work problems. It de- uh, depends on the day. I thought you might say that. Here's, yep. a, here's a great one for you. What do you wish you had more of? Time. I thought you were going to say body hair. <laughs> uh, I have enough of that for all country. <laughs> Training, fly solo or surround yourself with a crowd? Uh, depends on the day as well. Name one to two characteristics of an elite performer that you see across all disciplines. Confidence, perseverance. Great, sir. Two more. Yep. Who is your biggest mentor? Lauren. And finally, number one tip for travel. Um... Bring picky bars and picky oats. <laughs> what a great one. He's, <laughs> folks, he's, he's always good. He'll always get it in. He's very, very good at that. He's really yeah, good. No, uh, I'm a professional, Matt. 
you're a professional. What goes out, buddy? What goes <laughs> So, J- Jesse, thank you. I mean, a lot of time you, you've done two two episodes with us this week. I, I really appreciate it. I, 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 I don't give you lots of compliments, and I, and I don't do too much gushing around you. I, I hold you to account, but um. But I will say this, and I, and I want to say this, that you are one of a, a few very, very special athletes that I've ever had the, the chance, the opportunity, the privilege to coach. And I, I really believe that the special ones are the long-term the ones, the ones that go on the journey with each other in a partnership. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud to have been able to do that with you. And I, I want to tell you that you've been a, a huge influence on Purple Patch, the culture, uh, the pros, the amateurs alike. And, um, and the great thing for me as a coach is, is what you really hope, which is you mentioned it earlier that we both learn from each other. Right. And, uh, and sometimes people view coaching as just the coach telling the athlete what to do, but I can say in a very authentic way that it shouldn't be that we should learn from each other throughout any journey you go with an athlete. And, and I, I can't think of a better example than you of, of how much I've learned from you. And, um, and I think that you're a, you're a great beacon for for people that are time starved that want to perform that want to have a full life so so congratulations so far and and thank you so much for being part of the family well thanks matt i'm I'm really glad that this is audio and not video because i don't want to see i don't want i don't want to give you the satisfaction of seeing any welling up in my eyes after hearing that uh that that from you (laughs) but um no man i you know honestly a hundred percent appreciate. I meant, I meant everything I said in the podcast, which is the, the influence that you and purple patch and you and Kelly, uh, more generally, but, but you in particular have had in my career, it's, it can't be understated. So it's been, it's been super fun to see, uh, your success as well and, and be a part of that. So thanks. Awesome. Well, good stuff. And thanks again. And, um, we'll see you on the other side. Take care. Yep. Cheers. Well, guys, I don't think much more needs to be said there. Thank you so much, Jesse. Such an inspiration. If you haven't listened to part one, go back. It's a great story. Go back and listen to this again. There are so many clues, so many lessons, so much inspiration in his journey. He's a great part of Purple Patch, and I hope that you get inspired to go on the performance journey. Oh, and one more thing. Don't forget to go to purplepatchfitness.com forward slash wildflower giveaway that's purplepatchfitness.com forward slash wildflower giveaway and get registered for the wildflower giveaway with purple patch fitness roca and picky bars i'm looking forward to seeing your entry and let us know if you're going to be down at wildflower we're going to have lots of activities i'll be down there jesse will be down there but if not watch from afar you'll be able to follow along on our social media until next time take care